everyone. You're listening to On The Rise Podcast with your hosts, Amanda and Joe. We're two Kiwi girls who share nearly 30 years of friendship and we plan to take you on a journey of self-discovery and personal development to help you rise up in all areas of your life. You can expect real talk, tough topics and unapologetic vulnerability. We want to inspire you to believe you're worth more, to never settle for average, and to have confidence to take up space in all areas of your life. If you haven't done so, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. And we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram at on the underscore rise podcast. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. It is Joe here one of the hosts from On The Rise, a podcast. Welcome to episode 18. So today is a little bit different. I actually got to be a guest on one of my good friends, my business partner, Victoria McHugh's new podcast called Becoming Her. And she interviews me about two big life changes where I've really had to reinvent myself. And I thought, what better podcast than to share it here with all of you guys. So that is episode 18. It's a little bit raw. It is a little bit real, very vulnerable, um, but also ready to share snippets of my life that I believe may be able to help others. So enjoy the episode. Um, If you enjoy it, please share it tag me in it, would love your feedback and I hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys and welcome back to the Becoming Her podcast with your host Victoria McHugh. I am so excited today because I have my very first guest interview with one of my favorite people, one of my closest friends and business partners, Joe Rash. So hi, Joe. Hello. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And, you know, one thing that you guys will learn about Joe as she shares a little bit about her story is she really encompasses everything that becoming her is all about and all the value that I want to add to you guys and just, you know, that reinvention of yourself at different points in your life and, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of that. And actually, this is going to be the first time that Joe publicly speaks about a lot of the things that we're going to discuss today. We're going to do a deep dive into um, her, you know, past with addiction and, you know, how she came through that. We're going to talk a little bit about um, marriage and the church and finances and business. And then we're going to go into, you know, some things that I think you guys are going to get so much value from. And that is marriage, separation, solo parenting and co-parenting. So I'm so excited and thankful to have Joe on the podcast. I'm so, you know, lucky that I get to have a sort of front seat and to the growth that she's had over the last five years while I have known her. So please welcome Joe Rash to the podcast. Thank you so much, babe. I'm honored to be here and be your first guest. Thank you. And, you know, when you asked me to speak and, and be a guest of yours, of course, I was so excited too. And equally, when I thought about speaking about some of the hard things I've been through, 
the first thing that came to mind was if there was anyone I would feel comfortable and safe to talk about this with, it would be you. Oh, well, I feel exactly the same way. And I'm, I'm just so excited that our listeners are going to get this kind of insight into your life as well. Because I think, you know, looking at social media, that can be really, really different to the past for us. And I know that with both of us... Um, in our businesses especially, we show a certain side of ourselves and we don't like to go back to the past, but we are today. So I thought it would be best to kind of just introduce yourself to everybody, share a little bit about your story, a little bit about how you grew up, where you're from, and then go right into that very first sort of moment that you had your first reinvention. Yeah, cool. So a little bit about myself. I am Samoan, born in Wellington, New Zealand. I've got two older brothers and yeah, had a beautiful upbringing, beautiful childhood. Um, I guess through my teenage years, I didn't really have any direction or any thoughts of like a future or any kind of excitement about where I'd want to be in my life and just fell into um, drinking alcohol and spending money that I didn't have from from a young age. Mm-hmm. I guess lack of understanding, lack of direction and people to lead me. And life just seemed to spiral from there. You know, alcohol led to drugs that led to bad relationships um, that led into me getting into a lot of debt and so very quickly at a young age, in my 20s, I was very lost. Mm-hmm. I would drink until what the saying was like in the gutter, you know. And um, had I remember being at a young age and just thinking, sorry, I remember being around 25 and for the first time learning that debt wasn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Was a bad thing, sorry. And I had genuinely never learned or been told that. And from what I'd seen, it was normal that you can't afford things, that you just put everything on high purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think um, I would love you to expand a little bit on sort of like when you got into that addiction stage, what was your thought process around, were you just trying to cope were you using it as a coping mechanism were you are using it as an escapism or was it just genuinely like fun for you so what what was that deeper meaning I guess when I think about my addiction I do actually think it it started with alcohol Mm -hmm. and in hindsight I do believe I've got an addictive personality so you know, it started with alcohol and it was more fun. And equally, I think the bigger or deeper meaning of it was I didn't have a purpose in my life. Mm. So I, there was nothing really to look forward to. And that was kind of all I knew was you just go out and get drunk. Wow. And that then led to a really bad relationship, which kind of forced me to move to Sydney at a young age. While I was about 21, 22. And in Sydney was when I fell into my addiction with drugs. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was the same thing. I was just in another bad relationship. I didn't really know what else to do with my life. That mm-hmm. was kind of the norm. And I, and I think, you know, the learnings that I've had the last couple of years about your environment and your circle and the people that you're around, when I think back to those former years, mm-hmm. that was the circle that I was around. Yeah. So interesting. And do you think that 
it had anything to do with, um, you know, your background, your culture, any of that? Because obviously, you know, you'd said that you didn't have a lot of direction. Do you think it stemmed from there or do you just think that you kind of fell into the wrong crowd? No, I, yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with my culture or my upbringing at all. You know, my parents weren't big drinkers, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't suffer from any kind of addiction. I think it was just kind of what I fell into. Yeah. Yeah. And having an addictive personality and, you know, no, no direction or goals in my life. Mm -hmm. That was it. You live for the weekends and live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just love how openly you're talking about it because it is really important, especially for, you know, people of that younger age, because it can be something fun that turns into something a lot more scary and a lot more addictive and, you know, a lot worse than just having a drink or two on the weekend. So it's Mm. really interesting. So then what kind of took you from that stage where you know you were getting yourself into debt and you were addicted to drugs like how did you get out of that because that obviously took you to that first reinvention which would have been what in your late 20s yeah early 20s so um and just to say as well back then so that was like over 15 years ago talking about ice wasn't a big thing it wasn't Mm -hmm. a common conversation which now I'm so glad it is a common conversation because I wish it was back then. Yeah. Like I didn't realize how addictive and how terrible that drug was. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's because it's out on the table. People talk about it. People are aware of how terrible that drug is. Yeah. Um, So I was in Sydney and fell into that addiction. I lost a really great job in North Sydney that I was telling you about Mm -hmm. because of it. And... Uh, and I lost a good friends and boyfriend at the time, all the stupid things that you get into. Mm-hmm. And that basically forced me to move back to Wellington, mm-hmm. which was great because my circle of friends in Wellington weren't into that scene. Mm-hmm. So already it was taking me away from the drugs. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, I guess, the start of me getting out of that ugly situation. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of months later, a friend had told me about church and that's when I decided to go, to go along. I just, I was at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I had sh- shitload of debts, um, nothing going for me. And that was, I guess, the next step for me really changing my life. Wow. And can I ask, I don't know if I've ever even asked this before, but did you go to any form of rehab post Drugs and alcohol, because I know that you you didn't drink for many, many years um, after, you know, going to church and we'll get into that. But how did you stop taking drugs? Was it literally like a cold turkey thing or was it, were you weaning yourself like off? Like, how did you go from being in Sydney and, you know, being on drugs to going home to New Zealand and basically cleaning your entire life up? Yeah, good question. So, no, I didn't go into any rehab. Um, I think moving from changing countries and obviously completely changing my circle and all of that helped a lot because I didn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. I did manage to get my hands on the drugs in Wellington um, out in the night scene. You know, you sort of meet people and you sort of figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was only a couple of times, thank goodness. And I was just grateful that it wasn't a big big thing in in Wellington that I knew of. Mm -hmm. And... So I guess it was just cold turkey, but still a lot of drinking. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's just so interesting. I, you know, obviously I've known you for five years, 
And I just couldn't even imagine you in that state of your life. I just feel so proud of you. And I always say, you know, I love somebody that has a story. I love somebody that has a comeback story because it is so powerful to be able to say, this is where I was and this is where I am now. And I think anybody looking at you now would, would never have even ever wondered Mm. if that was your story. And I think, you know, we can have this sense of shame about our past and this sense of shame about who we were, but actually where you've come and what your future looks like is just miles from that girl it's just it's just amazing so then you fell into the church yeah had you ever had any um spiritual connection before had you ever been religious were your parents religious how did that sort of come about yeah growing up I was definitely um in different churches through my parents um my dad uh was a catholic my mom was a part of the Sabon church mm-hmm. and then in my teenage years i remember some of me and my friends going to another christian church in wellington so i think it was kind of always there but i would say i don't believe i had a relationship with god mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i guess coming to church after the whole drug situation was when i really found my relationship with God. Yeah. And it's really interesting as well, because a lot of people in your position wouldn't even be open to it. Mm. You know, if somebody had come along and said, you know, Hey, do you want to come to church on Sunday? Most people in your position in that addictive state would have said no. So even just the fact that you had hit rock bottom and you said yes, was probably your subconscious or a part of you saying, I'm, I'll do anything to get out of this situation. You know, I'm ready to get out of this situation. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think the real reason I said yes at the beginning was to check out the guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, <laughs> well, that'll lead us directly into the next part of your, your becoming her for sure. <laughs> so you start going to church, you... Um, build a relationship with God. How does that change everything for you? Yeah, well, I started going to church for a while. I actually didn't commit myself to church or to God because of the life that I was living. I knew that it was going to be such a big change. Yes. And I just didn't know I'm someone, and I know that you know this now, it's like if I'm going to do something, I, I'm going to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that if I was ready for that full commitment to really change my life. And mm-hmm. and I was also worried about what, what people would think of me. Mm-hmm. You know, my family and friends, you know, they all knew me as this party girl. And, you know, that a lot of my re- friendships or relationships were based around alcohol so there was a lot of dynamics that were going to change because I was going to stop drinking and going to stop the partying and all of that yeah and I guess that that's probably a concern for so many people in whatever decision they make in life is you're going to have to sacrifice something to get to the next place of your life right Mm. and in your case it was obviously the drugs and the alcohol which was a given but you were going to have to sacrifice relationships with people and people were going to turn around and say you've changed and we can't relate to you anymore and for you to have the courage to almost leave that behind knowing that 
those friendships were probably going to be over those relationships, the potential, you know, boyfriends or, you know, romantic relationships were possibly going to be over as well. And you almost had to leave your entire being behind and say Mm. goodbye to that Joe in order to step in and commit into this next level of you, which obviously worked out brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of explaining it. So yeah, that's exactly all the thoughts and feelings that I had. Like taking a leap of faith almost. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went into the church and what was your uh, commitment or I guess your level of, um, involvement in the church as time went on because I know that you you weren't working in the church at the time but you were very heavily involved yeah yeah so I guess the the big thing for me going from where I was at rock bottom you know addicted to drugs and alcohol and all the horrible relationships I I didn't want that anymore Mm -hmm. and so completely turning my life around to move out of that I was willing to do anything and everything to change that wow and yeah so no I I loved the life that I was living you know with church I was fully committed you know I built all these beautiful relationships and sisterhoods and um yeah I I was all in amazing and then tell us how you met your husband your first husband yeah i got multiple no (laughs) sorry (laughs) i was like how do i say how did you meet the person that you married initially yeah so i was living in in wellington and my ex-husband was up in auckland at the time Mm -hmm. and we had mutual friends that knew that we were obviously both single and just thought hey they might make a good match. Ready and, to mingle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I was actually looking at moving up to Auckland anyway. Mm-hmm. So it kind of timed in well. We we obviously met and got to know each other and both um, involved in the church. Yeah. And it went from there. Amazing. And was that the first um, healthy relationship you had had as an adult, would you say, in terms of, um, you know, that as the next level of Joe committing to a relationship was that the first one where you felt you know safe and and loved and was it different to the relationships you'd previously had in your 20s oh 100 yeah 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 amazing so let's talk a little bit about that so you guys got married yeah yeah we got married and probably five years into our marriage had um our beautiful daughter maya yes and you moved to australia Yes. Yep. Um, I moved to Australia seven years ago from Auckland. And then life, you know, built a house here, had our daughter here and started my business, met you five years ago. And it was crazy because I think looking back, the thought never, ever crossed my mind that I wouldn't be married to my husband. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying that to me at the sort of when I first met you. Yeah. You know. And things changed very quickly, I think, from COVID and, you know, through my own growth as a person. And next thing I know, I'm talking about leaving my husband. Mm-hmm. So let's go back there and we'll talk as much 
or as little as you want to about it. And, you know, obviously we want to be so respectful to him and he's an incredible man and he's a wonderful father um, to your daughter. And, you know, I got to know him over the years as well. And I think respecting his, you know, privacy as well is important, but for the sake of how much value you can add in this space, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about sort of like the first part of the relationship versus when things started to break down or maybe not even when they started to break down, but when you started to feel a disconnect with him and how that looked, because, you know, I know obviously from when I first met you, you had so much growth in your business very, very quickly. You had a lot of money that you hadn't had. Mm. You um, had a lot of things that possibly you had never imagined you were going on these trips and you were building this incredible vision and you would you had opportunities that you hadn't had before you started your business and maybe how that shifted over to the relationship yeah that's a biggie and like I said you know so much respect um you know for my ex-husband and everything that we created and our beautiful daughter mm-hmm. and you know, I guess I want to say as well, while we're talking about this topic, I am so pro marriage, <laughs> you know, for anyone listening, I am all about fighting for your marriage and, and making it work and, and all of those things. And, but unfortunately that, that didn't happen for me. Um, so I guess just to answer your question, I don't even know where to start. Well, maybe start with when was the first moment that you felt something's not right or you know that first moment that you messaged me and I remember it very clearly and you sent me a message saying I don't think I'm happy in my marriage anymore and I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. because it was quite some time between when you sent me that message and when you both decided that the marriage was over yeah so what do you think that moment was where you woke up one day and thought I don't think I'm in the right marriage or I don't know if this is right anymore and that's sometimes what I have learned in my experience is sometimes relationships, they run a course mm. and sometimes the chapter closes before we want it to. Yeah. So maybe when was that moment where you thought, I just don't know if I'm happy anymore. I don't know if this is what I want for my future. Yeah, I guess there was a couple of key moments and and looking back on the past, there were a lot of times where I I may have had those concerns, but I never voiced them. Yes. And I do remember we we had moved into, you know, a, a beautiful home by ourselves, away from my parents who were living with us for a long time. And it was great, you know, as you said, things were going really well in business, money, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. It's like you could tick all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And I just remember waking up just thinking, is this it? Mm-hmm. You know, and having what looks like you've got everything, everything, but feeling so empty. Yeah, interesting. And don't you think it comes down to what we were talking about today as well, about that internal peace, mm. um, which I think is probably what happened with you as in one day you woke up and you were like I have everything that should be making me happy but I don't have any peace Mm. Um, and I remember you know in those messages that you had sent me you said to me and I remember it so clearly 
this is the first time I've said how I feel out loud. Yeah. And I think there was probably a part of you that knew once you said it out loud, then you couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah. And you couldn't take it back because somebody now knew. Yeah. And I would then be saying, hey, remember when you told me these things? And you were now accountable. And whether that was you making sure that you were accountable because you had been going back or you'd been trying to squish down those feelings, um, that moment was really important in the first time that you told anybody, I don't think this is it for me. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very daunting, very scary. Like, as I mentioned, like it, it never even crossed my mind mm-hmm. the thought of not having a life with my family, with yes. my husband. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I couldn't imagine how hard that would be for you either and all of the things that come with that. So let's talk about that for a second. Cause I guess this is the second reinvention of Joe. you yeah. know, like as we're talking about that becoming her. So you had that first um, initial reinvention in your 20s you know coming out of addiction going into the church and meeting your husband and then you had this period of time where you moved to Australia and you were building this life and you started your business and things started to change and then you get to this point where you think I think you know I'm about to blow up my life pretty much (laughs) if I if I decide to leave I'm going to blow up this life that I've worked so hard for you know you've been working so hard for it post-addiction while you were committed to the church you'd work so hard for it as a as a mom and in your business everything you did in your business was from your family and to essentially say I'm so unhappy that I'm willing to blow up my life yeah is is huge so what what were some of the things that were keeping you in the marriage even though you weren't happy and you didn't have that sense of peace yeah, uh, I guess there was a lot of fear, like mm-hmm. the fear of the unknown. There was a lot of uncertainty. And it was really important for me to make sure I'd gone down all the avenues mm-hmm. and done everything that I knew possible to make it work. You know, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. And yeah, so a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown fear, guilt. Mm-hmm you know, worried about how he was going to be, worried about how it was going to affect my daughter, Mm -hmm. worried about relationships, friendships, uh, worried about my business, if that was going to be impacted. Mm -hmm. Like everything that I had known to be true and believed, I was basically throwing out the window. Mm -hmm. And I remember, let's talk about that for anybody that maybe is in this position in their marriage where they are trying to make it work or they're trying to go down every path to try and put the pieces back together. What were some of the things that you did? I know that obviously you did therapy individually. You seeked help from the pastors at the church as well. Just for some advice for somebody who's not quite at the stage of leaving, but is thinking if something doesn't change, that might be where we're headed. What would be some of the things that you would say, do these things before you make that final decision? Yeah, well, to be fair, I feel like there would have been more that we could have done, Mm -hmm. but for different reasons, it didn't happen. Yes. So I I think do anything that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to, you know, 
either whether it's friends that have been through hard times in their marriage that might be similar mm-hmm. or you know therapy or you know counseling from pastors and leaders or mentors whoever you trust like I think do anything and everything that you can mm-hmm. and I think because then you would know like for me I I was able to leave with a peace knowing mm-hmm. I had done everything that I could yeah and I think in your defense as well and this is important for anyone else going through it like both parties have to want to do the work and both people have to want to save the marriage Mm. and or the relationship which was in my case and if there's one person that's more committed or more willing or more um you know receptive to that help that is going to be difficult within itself if one person is wanting it more than the other person. So I think making sure that you're both on the same page about what you want as well, going yeah. going in or out of a marriage. Yeah, yeah, true. So when you decided that you wanted to separate, um, and I just want to say hats off to you because you both did it beautifully. I was there for the entire thing and I know how difficult it was but how much you loved and respected each other and the the decision you wanted to make what were then some of the challenges that you faced I know that obviously some of them were mum guilt and that solo you know parenting I know that you also had you know some massive challenges when it came to you know, maybe your relationship with some people that were mutual friends with you guys in the church, things like that. Like what, what were some of the challenges that came with that decision to separate? Yeah, all of all of the above. I think the mom guilt would definitely be the biggest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the hardest thing, you know. You you want your children to grow up with a beautiful family and you want, you know, your children to have happy family and parents together that's what I always saw and believed that my daughter would have Mm -hmm. equally I also wanted my daughter to have a happy mum yeah so I had to trust and believe and obviously being a woman of God that as hard as it was and is I knew it was the right decision Wow, I just like had to take a minute because I know that you're you're on the brink of of you know this is emotional. It's a lot. This is the first time you've really ever spoken about it, and I guess it's probably a little bit like therapeutic as well to kind of think about it and look back and be like, wow, you know, I had to make some bold and brave and courageous decisions that some people wouldn't have made, mm. and you had to choose you and you had to choose your happiness. And you know, you know me, I grew up with very, very happily married parents. They've been together for 47 plus years or 48 years. And I look at them as a beautiful example of happy people in a loving and kind and, um, you know, gorgeous relationship. But I am a firm believer that staying for the kids and this might be controversial and this is the first second episode of my podcast so welcome <laughs> but i am a firm believer that kids need to see their parents happy mm. i am a firm believer that two unhappy people will show children what that standard is and i think that children need to see two people that love each other and they have that 
you know, partnership and they have that affection between each other because that's going to be the example that's set for them. Yeah. So now I see your amazing co-parenting relationship with your ex-husband. I see that you're both happy individually and your daughter is so happy and she probably loves doing the whole one week at dad's, one week at mom's, even though she gets more ice cream for dessert at dad's. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, what's your kind of take on, on, you know, that final decision to say, both are hard and we talk about this all the time you know choosing your heart it was going to be hard for you to leave but it was going to be harder for you to stay so ultimately what did that look like yeah clearly it wasn't an easy decision um and one of the biggest things that I carried for a long time which I guess I was surprised by like I'd never done this before so I guess I didn't know what to expect but the guilt was massive. Mm-hmm. I, even now, like two years on, I can feel a little bit of guilt here and there, like just the guilt of leaving my husband and mm-hmm. is he going to be okay and mm-hmm. worried about his mental health. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it, it, one of the hardest things that I've done in my life was choose myself and walk away from something that was good but I I wasn't really happy yeah it wasn't serving you either and I I don't know if you know being so close to the relationship and knowing you so well I don't know if you could have stepped into that next level of you while you were in that marriage or in that relationship and I think you knew that as well I I feel like you felt as though you were being held back in your potential and your mission and the impact that you could have in this world and also just as a mom and a friend and a coach and all of the hats that you wear, when your environment that you're in 24 hours a day, which is home, yeah, when that is giving you anxiety and you're walking on eggshells and you're not feeling loved and you're not getting those fundamental core things that you need from that environment, it affects every single other thing in your life. It affects yeah. the way you parent, the way you show up, the way you value your health, the way you, that you are in business. And so for you, I feel like you were trying to push between the person that you knew that you could be versus the the woman that you felt like you had to be, yeah. your wife and the mom and maintaining that marriage and maintaining that status in the church as well of being somebody that's not from separation or divorce Mm. um and so that's how I saw it for you yeah yeah so let's talk about solo parenting yes (laughs) how how obviously you and you know your ex-husband have an amazing um co-parenting or well co-parenting relationship now and you guys do one week on one week off what was like the beginning of that solo parenting like for you yeah really hard because obviously we were both used to having Maya full time Mm -hmm. and so the thought of not having her you know for some period was really hard for both of us so initially we attempted to start with like maybe a fortnight rotation Mm -hmm. because like a week seemed too long um but very quickly we just found that the transition was too quick for her yes um but yeah like you know obviously the those first weeks and days on your own are confronting Mm -hmm. um 
but equally I remember bringing it brought also brought a lot of peace mm-hmm. yeah yeah peace is if you haven't gathered from this episode yet peace is something that Joe and I speak about a lot which is very different to happiness it's very different to joy peace is that internal um, state of okayness mm. that I think is probably more valuable than any other state yeah. of being you can be in. Like if you can walk into a room and feel peace, if you can sit in a decision that you've made and have peace, you do, maybe aren't happy. I don't think you were happy walking away from your relationship. I don't think no. you were happy saying to your daughter, this is the, the new norm, but the peace was there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the most important thing. And I think that's when you know that's the, your intuition and that's your gut and that is your your faith and mm. your spirit saying, I've got you. Yeah. And it doesn't make it any easier, but it makes you feel like it's the right decision. Yeah. And do you remember, like, for months I wasn't sleeping mm-hmm. and my first night here in the apartment I had the sleep it was crazy wow and you know that's your physical body as Mm. well and I think you know this is a whole nother episode that we could do is is talking about how to understand what the mind is telling the body and the body is telling the mind yeah and I do remember you because I was living in the UK at the time you know I'd get messages from Joe all hours of her night which was my day and I'd say why are you awake and she would just say I can't sleep I can't sleep my body is not okay and then when you you know released yourself from that environment made the decision and stepped into a new space suddenly the peace came over you and Mm. that's your head connecting with the body it was exactly the same with me when I had you know came back from my um, trip where my fiance and I had split and I walked into the room and I, I felt free Mm. I felt like a weight had been taken off my shoulders. Yeah. And my mind and my body could finally connect again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's a piece of advice you could give anybody who, um, you know, is in a marriage where it's not bad, but it's not good. Yeah. And I, I think marriage is supposed to be great and yeah. beautiful and magical Um, so before we go on to sort of finishing up with some of your advice for people in your position, I would love for you just to touch on what that co-parenting relationship looks like now with your ex-husband. Cause I know that, you know, you guys have a really great co-parenting relationship. Yeah. I'm so grateful and, you know, so blessed that Maya has the best dad Mm -hmm. and that, that has definitely helped in the sense that the weeks that I don't have her, I'm not fretting. Obviously, I miss her, but I know that she is in the best hands Mm -hmm. and she's happy and she's got a great relationship with her dad. So, yeah, like, you know, two years on, we obviously, it's not what it used to be, but we have a mutual respect for each other. Um, We both love our daughter very much and, you know, we we put her first in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and he's built um, a great relationship with, with my parents over the last two years as well when he needs their help with picking her up and all the things with work and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful we can co-parent really respectfully and well and, you know, just pray and hope it continues that way in the future. Amazing. So before we finish up, I have two things I want to talk to you about. The first one is if you 
could be a voice for somebody who was you two to three years ago who said, you know, I'm, I'm in this marriage that I thought I'd be in forever and nothing's happened, but I'm not happy. I don't feel, you know, maybe the connection or the love with this person like I used to, or I'm growing and they're not, or they're growing and I'm not. And there's nothing that's wrong but there's also nothing that's mm. right. And that I think that was probably the hardest thing for you because you're sitting there saying, well, nothing's happened, but it's not right anymore. And it's 100%. run its course. And I wish and hope, I, I wish I could go back because mm. there was probably a part of you that thought, I wish that I could go back five years when I didn't feel those things. Yeah. But you can't, you can't stop how you feel and you can't stop that, you know, that, that level of your life changing, right? What would be your advice to somebody who was you or is you now yeah. going through that where they're like, I just don't feel that peace and something's not right and I'm going to blow up my entire life if I, <laughs> if I do this? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I have had someone, you know, ask me a similar question really and my advice is do everything that you can. You know, as I mentioned earlier, like get the help, have those hard conversations. Actually, that's my advice. I should have had a lot more hard conversations that I didn't have. Do you mean all the way through the marriage yeah. or at the very end? All the way through. Right. So you were avoiding those conversations where things could have potentially changed earlier. I think so. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. In hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. And smaller things, but hard, but added up in the end yeah of course compounded yeah 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 so I think have any hard difficult conversations that you are avoiding definitely and yeah do everything you can get all the help um and fight for it and then if that doesn't work I think at the end of the day only you will know and you'll have that peace and you'll know what the right thing is to do yeah I think that there comes a time and you probably felt it, and I certainly felt it too, and, you know, leaving a 10-year um, engagement, essentially, um, there becomes a point in time where you just can't do it anymore. Mm. And I think that's the time where you think, I don't have any more to give. I don't have any more conversation to give. I don't have any more emotion to give. I don't care anymore. And I think when it gets to that point where you stop fighting, that's the point where you can't go back from. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So to finish off, because, you know, the podcast is all about becoming her and reinventing yourself. What's next for you? You know, you're two years into this healing journey. You've just entered into your 40s. You know, what? what's the next becoming her for you what are you focused on what are you learning what are you loving and you know what's next for joe good question do you know what i've actually really loved is being on my own mm -hmm. and i think just being okay with my own company and living by myself obviously the weeks that i don't have my daughter so that has been a great journey mm -hmm. that I have actually really loved um I've recently started dating someone Ooh. so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you know that's another part of the journey and 
you know, one thing that we always talk about is just continuing to better myself. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing crazy, nothing drastic, but, you know, being better in my health, being better in my business, you know, building a property portfolio, being a better man, being more present, less time on social media, you know, just all those little things that make a, a big compound mm-hmm. effect at the ends. Amazing. Joe. I'm so proud of you and I'm so thankful that you spoke about this and, you know, one person's, you know, journey of heartbreak is another person's journey of hope. And I just know that our listeners would have gotten so much from this today, whether or not it's somebody's in that position or has been, or their friend is, or their sister is, and just understanding your perspectives. I'm so proud of you, you know, just from where you've been to where you are now, your story is so inspiring. And I'm so grateful that I get to spend every day, literally (laughs) attached at the hip to you and watching you evolve and the mother that you are and the co-parent that you are and the businesswoman and the friend and the sister and the daughter and You are just exceptional and I'm so excited to see where you go on this next journey to becoming her and I know that it's going to be brilliant and I know that you're going to continue to just thrive. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And guys, if you like this episode, please share it on your social media. Please review it. Please rate the podcast and thank you so much, Joe, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.